Welcome to the Southwest Iowa Association of Realtors, also known as SWIRE. This podcast keeps SWIRE members up to date on what's new and happening in our organization. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. It is not our intention to solicit the offerings of other real estate brokers. Not a member? We still encourage you to listen. Each week, we provide you with valuable information related to the real estate industry and Southwest Iowa. Welcome to this episode of the Swire Podcast. We are joined in studio today by uh, Emily Swinford with uh, Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate, the Good Life Group. Thank you so much, Emily. And uh, you also brought a special guest in for the Swire Podcast today. Yeah, good morning. So I'm kind of stepping in this morning. A- Amy Svoboda, our um, executive director for Swire, she is in Washington, D.C. with Amy Hagstrom, our president for Swire, and they are at the legislative uh, conferences this week. So not a ton going on. I think all of us real estate agents are super busy selling real estate right now. That's a good thing. (laughs) That's a good thing. Um, I know the YPN group who we had in the studio a couple weeks ago, they had their event at the porch last week and they had a huge turnout. So that was really exciting, kind of their single (laughs) day Mayo celebration. And so um, things are moving. So we're excited about that. And today I brought with me um, Kim Stevens and I'm really excited to have Kim here. Um, We were supposed to have you here quite a while ago and had to do some finagling with the schedules. And I'm really excited to actually be a part of this because I wasn't expecting that. And I told Kim when we walked in, I know nothing about you and I know nothing about short sales, which is the topic of conversation today. So I'll kind of let Kim introduce herself and what she does and who she's with and, and where she's from. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm Kim Stevens, and I'm with Keller Williams Elite out of Omaha. I am licensed in Nebraska and Iowa, and I actually just became the Iowa broker for KW Elite. So that's something kind of new. I've been licensed for 15 years. I started in 2008, which a lot of people kind of think that's funny because in 2008 we did not have a great market. But anyway, that's when I got licensed in Nebraska, and I think I've been licensed in Iowa since 2016. So I love this. It's a passion of mine. Real estate is just, I think, the best thing that you can do. That's just my personal opinion. I absolutely love what I do, and it doesn't ever feel like I work a day in my life. It's a people business, not a house business. (laughs) It's so true. And aren't we counselors and uh, so much more? Definitely therapists, yes. Um, So we kind of brought you in today because you are kind of an expert with handling short sales. And I don't think a lot of real estate agents know a ton about short sales. And I think there's some agents that don't even know what a short sale is or what it means. And with the shifts in the market that we've had over the past three years, especially, I don't think there have been as many short sales since we had COVID and kind of all of the um, extra steps uh, in terms of protecting homeownership during some of those hardships. But you kind of have a fun story, I think, about how you got into short sales. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about Uh, what is a short sale and then how you got into it and we can kind of go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So simply put, a short sale is where the homeowner owes more on their mortgage than what it's worth. And the bank has to approve the shortage. So that's really the simple term. There's a lot that goes into that. It's a process. But just simply put, a homeowner owes more on their property than what they're going to sell it for. So the bank has to approve the short. So my experience with that and how I got into it was back in 2008, my husband owned a business with some partners. 
the business was going good for several years. And so I always said, oh, it's our business. And then when it went belly up, I'm like, yeah, that's my husband's business. That's kind of our longstanding joke. But anyway, he had some partners. The business went belly up. Partners basically went off grid, nowhere to be found, and kind of left my husband holding the bag. So at that time, we had had a lot of equity in our house. I think we had maybe seven years left to pay on our house. And we took all the equity out of our house. We were going to try to keep the business going. And we fought for a little while and just could not keep it going. So we called a real estate agent. I was not licensed at the time. We called a real estate agent and said, you know, we need to sell our house. And he said, okay. And he came over and he said, you have to do a short sale. And I'm like, well, what is that? And he said, well, you owe too much. And I'm like, this stinks. You know, we had seven years left to pay. We took all this equity out. Now we have to short it. But you know what? Life happens. We just thought this is what we have to do. I didn't know anything about foreclosure. I didn't even know questions to ask about foreclosure. I really knew nothing. So basically, our agent started the short sale with us. And, uh, you know, back then, the market had crashed. So there were so many homes on the market. The banks were overwhelmed. They weren't even answering their phones half the time, the banks. You'd be on hold for like two hours trying to get through a bank, and you couldn't even reach them. So, I mean, a short sale back then took a long time. It could take nine months to a year. They've gotten much better. It's a more streamlined process now. And quite frankly, there aren't as many short sales as there used to be, right? But um, the agent was a great agent. But I just thought, if I am going to you know, if I don't want my house to foreclose. So I feel like I just need to get my license and just kind of finish this out on my own. And so that's what I did. I just thought nobody cares about my house getting sold more than me. So I got my license and I started making calls in conjunction with the agent, you know, it was kind of a team effort. And I just called and called and called and called and called. And a lot of people say, well, how did you finally get it done? And my answer is I cried. I cried. And I just said, this has been nine months. You have got to help me. I'm, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. And so they're like, okay, we're going to get you your short sale approval today. And I got it through. So I'd like to say it was something miraculous or because I was super smart. Nope, I cried. And finally, they just gave me the short sale approval. I think they were tired of listening to me. Well, I think for one, that was a really vulnerable story to share. And also it's actually really insightful, I think, because I think a lot of people don't realize, especially there's so many times where we, where we get the phone calls and people are already so far in that foreclosure process where we can't help them. And I think people are embarrassed to reach out to us when actually what we want to do is we, we want to help you. We know people that have been in your shoes. We ourselves have been in those shoes, just like you said. Um, so would you say that after now, everything that you know about that short sale process, and like literally the only thing I knew about short sales before I walked in here was I've sold a couple and they take forever, <laughs> just like you said. So is that pretty much the last step before foreclosure or how does that entire, I guess, process work? So Yeah. So if a person, I mean, usually, you know, I somebody reaches out to me and says, hey, I'm in trouble, or it's somebody trying to buy that individual's house that says, hey, they're in trouble, can you help them? Sometimes they have a foreclosure date, sometimes they don't. But there is a financial hardship, 
almost all the time, otherwise they'd be making their mortgage payments, right? Or they have a pre-foreclosure, meaning they've defaulted, they're at least 90 days in, and that's when the notice of default starts saying, hey, we're putting you on warning. Or um, maybe they have a you know pending foreclosure date, maybe it's two weeks away. So what was your question now? I forget. <laughs> Just whether or not it's the last step before the foreclosure, okay. because I think a lot of times, like I said, people are scared to call us and it's yes. like, there's so many opportunities. I think even as you go through the foreclosure process where you can potentially be saved, especially in a market right. like this, where people do have equity back in their homes and they might not even realize it. There's That is so interesting. And that's what's really different now than it was back in 2008 through 16. People do have equity in their houses a lot of times right now, and they're still getting ready to foreclose. So as agents, I think that's an opportunity for us to get business and still help those people out of a bad situation because they might have equity in their homes. But as far as, you know, is what's the last step before a foreclosure, if there's time, they can do a short sale. Typically, the bank wants a short sale packet in 30 days before foreclosure. Now, I'm going to be speaking in huge generalities. Not always does that happen. There have been exceptions made, but normally they want a short sale package in 30 days before a foreclosure date. So usually in the beginning, I get on the phone with the homeowner and I say, let's call the bank together. And I ask all of the pertinent questions. Do we have time to do a short sale? You know, give me all of your checklist of what's needed. Because with the banks, every servicer is different. So a short sale package might, you might need one short sale package for U.S. Bank. You might need a completely different package for like Flagstar Bank. But normally it's primarily the same. Why would a bank not approve a short sale? I don't quite understand how it would make more sense for a bank to foreclose than it would for them to be approving a short sale. Is it just that precedence that they set in terms of not wanting people to default and or is it just a process or kind of what's the background on that? So I don't feel a bank really ever wants a homeowner to lose their home and that they will work with that homeowner to do a short sale opposed to letting it foreclose because when it forecloses, now they're paying the foreclosure attorney more money, they're paying for eviction, they're paying for trash out, all those holding costs until they can get it ready to put back on the market with a foreclosure agent. So I feel that most of the time they would really rather see a person short sale their house and let it foreclose. But that also depends on some things too, which I won't even get into at this point, but what would a bank need to do a short sale. Let's say somebody is 45 days away maybe from default or from foreclosure. How can we help that person? So if they're 45 days away from foreclosure, I would get on the phone with that homeowner. I would call and say, what do you need to get this process started? I usually know everything that they need, but I just wanna make sure to have a checklist in front of me And uh, if they say, yeah, they have time to start a short sale, we'll immediately get it listed, get an offer right away, send it in, start the process. One thing that I always ask, and it's important for the people out there to know if they do do short sales, it's important to know who the investor of the mortgage is because VA has different guidelines than maybe Fannie Mae. So I want to know how to work that short sale. And a lot of times it depends on the investor guidelines. 
For example, if it's a VA and an FHA loan, they will want an appraisal done and a BPO, which is a broker price opinion, two different valuations, right? If it's a Fannie Mae loan, if they're the investor, they'll usually just want a BPO, a broker price opinion, which I like those a lot better because an agent is who mm -hmm. usually does a broker price opinion and they're going to be more realistic of value. The other thing is a lot of, I get this question all the time when I do short sales, um, agents call, what will the bank take? And basically they base it off the appraised value. So what you have to be careful of is if the appraised value comes in too high, you really do risk foreclosure because if the appraisal comes in high, mm -hmm. then you can't get the property sold, right? Because maybe that property is only worth $150 or $150,000 and they appraised it at $180,000. How are you going to get the home sold? So it's kind of backwards in a short sale. If you're selling your home retail, you want to tell the appraiser everything, all of the upgrades, everything that's good about your property. Right. In a short sale, you kind of want to tell the appraiser everything wrong with the property. So if there's um, electrical issues, you want to make sure and get qualified electrical bids. If it's a roof, you want to get a you know estimate from a licensed contractor or roofer to make sure that you're getting all of those legitimate repairs, you know, into keep the value lower or more realistic. I shouldn't say lower, but at market value. Yeah. And a lot of times I think it's just that communication that not that's not always effective, whether it's us or the homeowner. Um, I found a lot of times that banks will work with us as long as there's a sign in the yard and they see that somebody's being proactive with trying to sell their property. Yes. Um, and it's literally just a matter of calling them and saying the property is listed and I'll get an email, send a copy of the listing agreement, and then they kind of back off for a little bit. So I think if a homeowner is trying to genuinely and reasonably work with the banks, that's usually they will try to help you if they can. Yes, that's so interesting you say that because I did get a call from an individual just a week ago that is in foreclosure. They're foreclosing this month and it's a local bank. And I called that bank and I said, hey, he really wants to do a short sale. I can have it listed and probably an offer same day. And she said, absolutely not because we've been trying to work with this homeowner They've been not responding. They have not, they've, you know, said they were going to come current with their loan. They didn't. Um, we're not going to work with them. So I understand people get frozen in fear because, you know, these homeowners really don't know where to turn. So they don't answer that call. They get the mail. They don't open that letter because they're afraid. I understand that. But really, if you just are proactive, there's so much more that a bank is willing to work with you on if you just kind of take those steps. Well, and as an agent, I've gotten to the point where when I go list a house, you know, even the the people that you assume are in good shape, you just you can never make those assumptions in this business. And so it's one of the questions I ask. I'm not trying to pry. How much do you owe on your mortgage? And that exactly. opens up that conversation where if they are a few payments behind, because how many times do we get title work only to find out that people haven't been making their payments and it might be too late? And if they're not open with you about that or trusting you to actually represent them through this process, then next thing you know, we've listed a house. Now we have a buyer who's excited to move into the house and now we can't sell it because we didn't have that conversation up front. So I think it's really important that those are questions that we ask initially because it's going to not only help us do our job, but it's going to put them in a better position overall once we know their personal scenarios.
Absolutely. And another one, additional liens that they didn't know they had, like credit card liens, IRS liens, I mean, state tax liens. Child support. People don't understand, you know, that 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 affects your ability to sell your house as well. You have to have that other party cooperate and sign off that they're current. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, I mean, even in a retail situation or what you think is going to be a retail situation, sometimes you find out that retail sale isn't a retail sale necessarily if they have, you know, some huge liens on their title report. And they, a lot of times they don't know. They're like, how did that get on there? So what do you think about like when people, I, I think a lot of times people, it, like you said, are frozen in fear. That's a perfect way of putting it. And they get too far in where they're like, I've already screwed up my credit. I'm already going to foreclose. I have no other options. When really there are options. A lot of them aren't um, quick fixes. Um, but I've had folks who have gone through bankruptcies and who have gone through short sales who have then in turn been able to buy a house in a few years. Um, if you are a homeowner and you're in that position, how would you advise somebody as to like what their next steps are? Are they looking at renting forever or how do you kind of walk them through that conversation? So in a short sale, and again, we're talking generalities, but usually you can buy a house again in three years, as long as your credit is cleared up. Um, if you're going to repeat the same thing over and over, then no, it's going to be, you know, a while. But if you can kind of get past the short sale, get your credit cleared up, I advise people to, you know, get a secured credit card. Just start there. You know, pay your utilities on time. And I hate to cut you off here, Kim, but would you explain what a secured credit card is? Because a lot of people don't know what that is. So what that is, is let's say uh, maybe you qualify for $200. That credit card company is going to say, we want $200 of your money. We're going to hold it on the credit card. You can use your credit card and then make payments on it. And then a lot of times I think they will raise that credit limit until they can see that you are in good standing with those payments. And it really helps your credit. It can boost. So they've secured that ability to get that credit with their own cash or collateral, That's if you right. will. But then it's still affecting their credit as if it was a traditional credit card. Right. As they make their monthly payments. Yep. And it's not a death sentence. I mean, I'm a perfect example of that. You know, we had to work really hard to clear up, but we had huge business debt too. But I mean, it's something that you can easily clear up. You just have to start making your payments on time. The other thing about, you know, life after a short sale, this is probably one of the most important things about a short sale, is the bank will not pursue the deficiency. So if you owe 150000 on that short sale, and let's say for easy math, it sells for 100 and then you've got commissions, all of those other fees on top of it. Let's say you have another 20000 on top of that. So what is that? 120000 and you owe 150. 150. So you're what? 30000 in the hole? They will forgive that deficiency. Well, what's your proof they're going to forgive that deficiency? It will actually be in the short sale letter. So there's two things I look at in a short sale letter when I get it approved. Number one is the loan number matching, you know, the is it the correct loan number? Because that's very important. And then number two, where does it say they're waiving that deficiency balance? That is very important because why would you go through all the hassle of doing a short sale if they weren't going to waive the deficiency? You might as well foreclose. So the other important thing to know is they, the uh, homeowner does not pay the real estate commission. They don't pay any of the fees. The bank pays all of that. So literally, a homeowner can get out owing zero. It's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. It happened to me. You know, we were so far under, and we walked away. We didn't owe a dime. 
Um, the other beauty of it is it's sold as is. You don't make any repairs. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, even when I explain to clients, you know, you don't owe anything. The bank's going to pay for everything. They'll say, great. And then, you know, like a day later, they're like, we can't afford the commission. I'm like, no, I am telling you, you don't have to pay a dime. And it's just a real big peace of mind. Yeah, I agree. And I just think it's important that people know their options when they find themselves in those scenarios because a lot of people don't. And we all have that pride, but we're here as realtors to help people through that process. And we see it every day. And trust me when I say, and you know just as well, there's no judgment. We see it all. <laughs> Absolutely not. And, you know, that's why I tell my story because it's very embarrassing. It's very embarrassing, and I'm kind of grateful it did happen to me. So when I talk to clients that are in this kind of trouble, I will say, it happened to me. It's okay, and they'll say thank you. About 99% of the time they say, thank you so much for telling your story because it is very embarrassing. And I said, you don't have to be embarrassed. I always say there's a lot of people going through what you're going through. They just don't wear it on their shirt. It's nothing we advertise. And it doesn't matter how good you look or don't look. It affects all walks of life. Well, I think this podcast episode is going to be really beneficial to real estate agents and realtors that are listening because I think um, some of the dialogue that you've expressed, I think I'm, I can start using that in some of the scripts and um, stuff that I talk to my clients about. And then I also think just for your clients and for, for other folks, I think this is a lot of great information. Is there anything that we missed that you kind of want to elaborate on or overall thoughts? Well, another kind of wave that I see coming right now because we have this market that's just been so crazy, right? Multiple offers, appraisal mm -hmm. gaps, you know, we have this crazy market with all this equity still happening, right? But I do think there's this other pocket that we as agents should really be watching for. And it's that COVID forbearance that we all went through. I think a lot of people just thought once the COVID forbearance is lifted, I can just start making my payments again. Well, they're finding out now that that is not necessarily true, that the banks are coming back and say, okay, now we need to modify your loan. And homeowners are like, well, what do you mean? And they're like, well, we have to address all these payments you didn't make during COVID. Now, I will say some people were just able to pick up where they left off with payments, and the banks were putting the missed payments on the you know, back end of the loan, but not all of them. A lot of these banks are trying to get them to modify their loan to, you know, put in those missed payments. Well, if they were at a 3% interest rate and now they're remodifying, you know, to a 6% interest rate, how are they going to afford those payments? Because if you haven't been making a payment, you know, a lot of people didn't make COVID, those COVID relief payments for two years. When you stop making a house payment for two years, you get pretty comfortable not making that house payment. Right. And now they say you have to start making it again, but oh, now you're going to be at a higher interest rate. So I think there's some opportunity as real estate agents for us to come in and help those people too. That's a great point. All right. That's a really, really great information. And um, I, like you said, I think that that's something we should be watching for. I think everyone's waiting for the ball to drop. And when are we going to start seeing foreclosures again? But there's a ton of opportunity even prior to that. And to help these people get up and get into something that they can comfortably afford. And those are the folks that are still possibly able to have saved their credit and be able to buy another house. And so maybe they can get out of their current situation and find something that suits their 
you know, lifestyle a little bit better. I think it's a huge opportunity. I think that's a great point. Yeah. I know with FHA loans, what they're doing for the COVID relief, if let's say you had $10,000 that you never paid um, while, you know, you were on that forbearance, what FHA loans will allow you to do is it's called a partial claim. They will add that as a second lien. It's a second deed of trust. And you don't ever have to pay that back. It doesn't gain any interest. So basically, it's just sitting there, and you're only paying on your primary mortgage. But then when you go to sell, you have to make sure that second lien's paid. Well, I've seen this happen, too, on short sales and retail deals where a homeowner kind of forgets they have that partial claim sitting there because they don't pay it. They don't get any paperwork on it. You know, it's just sitting there. Well, then when they come to sell, they're like, wait a minute, I don't have a second loan. Well, yeah, you did. It says here you have the second deed of trust on April of, you know, 2020. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, I guess I do. But I didn't know. I thought I just refinanced. Well, they refinanced, but they had that second lien on there. So sometimes they just forget, too. I think you were saying that earlier, you know, on title. I didn't know I had that, you know, or the child support right. thing. So there's a lot of things as agents that we can educate ourselves on so we are able to assist our homeowners better because they truly just don't know sometimes. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Kim. This has been really great. I've learned a lot. Um, I hope you've enjoyed being here. I love it. Yeah, and we'll hopefully we'll have you back sometime, but okay. um, we really appreciate it. Well, Emily Swinford, Kim Stevens, thank you both for being on the Swire podcast today. And also, we thank you for listening to this episode. Go back and listen to previous episodes and look for new ones that are coming out each week. Until next time, take care.